So when we come to God, there's a transformation process. It's a, it's a process. It's a process. The Word of God comes into our life, and when we read the Word of God, we, re, we begin to confess it over our lives. We begin to believe that He is actually as good as He says He is, listen, and can do what He says He can do. Amen. Oh, don't get, don't get going. We will never get out of here if you got a microphone and we get amen. All right. Now, if you need me. I will in a minute. The Word of God changes us. Has anybody been changed and transformed by the Word of God? Maybe you're saying, well, kind of. It's a process. Allow the Word of God to change you. When words change us, then what happens? We begin to change our emotions. We're not emotionally driven anymore. And not that we're perfect, but when we are emotionally driven, we go, whoa, 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 something's wrong. It's like a gauge on the dashboard blinking. They're, they're, that's not good. When our emotions, though, change because of the Word of God, then we begin to make the right choices. Our choices change. Yeah. When our choices change, then our habits change. We, we begin to do the right thing repeatedly. Not if you are a believer. Am I saying for a minute that you cannot go back and make wrong choices and create a habit? That's bad. Yeah. But the transformation process, if you continue the process, habits will create a positive influence on your life because of the Word of God. Amen. When your habits change, your character will change. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's do that. The temptation will come. And, and listen, the character's changing. You go, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Yeah. When your character changes, your destiny changes. Everybody wants to jump from the, the word spoken and over to our life to a whole other destiny. It doesn't happen. It's a transformation process. Now listen to this. I've been teaching this for quite a while, but I want you to again hear it in, in context to this sermon in the sermon series. When, when we get to a place that we have a belief system, every one of you have a belief system. I, I mean, it is as simple of a belief system as let's go on the top of the, the skyscraper downtown Fort Worth and jump up. No, why not? Because we'll die. That's your belief system. Mm. A belief system that you have, out of that belief system, you'll make a choice. It, it might not be good, but it's your belief system, and that's why you made that choice. Mm. Everybody with me? Out of the choice that you walk in, you'll have an experience because of that choice. That experience will build in your life that belief system is true, or it will contradict. I didn't ever, what happened there? I didn't. I don't believe that. I mean, I did believe that, but it out of the experience. When, when a pastor of a church begins to speak like this, what happens is I'm trying to challenge you. Come on. Come over to the, the adventurous side. Mm. The faith-filled side. Mm, yeah. Who's up for a little adventure today? Yeah, All right, here we go. This morning, I'm going to speak on the third part. Last week we talked, is it called the prodigal son story? Last week we talked, it's called the waiting father, how he waited, looking and longing and expecting to show kindness, as Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 said. Or is it a story that this morning we're going to be talking about the deceived older brother. Now, now let's get out of kind of, let, let's have a little bit fun. 
I want you to put on your investigation, you know, trying to figure out this riddle. See, see if you're, you know, if you can, yeah, figure it out. <laughs> There's five daughters. Mary's father has five daughters. Nina, Nana, Nano, and Nene. Who's the fifth daughter? Look at you. Some of you didn't get it. Mary's father. Look at that. Mary's father has five daughters. Nina, Nana, Nina, Nina, and because Mary. See, everybody with me on that? How about the second riddle? I can't read that somewhere. Anne is reading. <laughs> Anne is reading. Rose is cooking. Lorraine is playing chess. And Mary is doing laundry. What is the fifth sister doing? Jeopardy. She's playing chess with Lorraine. Okay, now, now listen, all I'm doing is priming you to read the next passage and listen to the next passage as if you have missed something. You'll, you'll see that the older brother is deceived, and when you're deceived, the, the wicked thing about being deceived is you don't think you're deceived. Mm. It's so deceiving, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so if you have some body language, just kind of scoot up to the edge of your seat and kind of look like this, like, yeah, try to get something past me. Here we go. And the passage is found in Luke chapter 15, and it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Who, who was gathering around? There's two groups of people right there. Now we're going to see the other two groups of people. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now again, so there's four groups of people, but there's really two categories. And really you're going to see the two categories are one is the prodigal son and one is the older brother. Pastor John, if this is the best sermon you ever preached, you've got to do better than that because I already saw that. All right, <laughs> hold on. Give a hand to my lovely assistant. Okay, Mark, read Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Verse 11, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. He, he, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's servants... Have good food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. 
when the Father sees him in a far distance, we talked about this last week, that he was looking, and it's kind of, it just is overwhelming the love that I can see in this Father. Can, can you see that? That he has been looking and longing and expecting, please, God, today's my son's coming home. And as soon as he sees this guy coming that's in these pig clothes, it doesn't look like his son, what does he do? He runs. Now I want you to see something because culturally this was unacceptable from grown men, especially the patriarch of the family. Because to run in this time, they wore a robe. And to be able to run, they had to lift it up, showing their legs and even their hips in order not to trip. Even during this time, and a little bit earlier, was Aristotle that said, no grown men of any statue should ever run. That, that was the culture. Now I want you to see this. Why did he run? We see because he had compassion on him, and we know that he loved his son, but here's something that I want you to know that, that sometimes the backstory, the history is so interesting that we don't know. During this time, there was a ceremony that when some son that had gotten an inheritance came home and had lost it or squandered it on Gentiles, they would do a ceremony where the city or the, the village would come out and they would break a pot <coughs> over the son's feet and then they would yell at him, you are no longer part of this people. The father sees him coming. He doesn't know who in the village maybe has seen him. We, we don't know if the father might have possibly even thought they're, they're going to get a pot and all they're going to gather and they're going to come out there. So he begins to run. And he gets to the sun. And listen to what happens. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father knows that if he can get to him before anybody else, before he even is seen by the village, that he could say, I'm going to put my arms around him. I'm going to show the village that now he is forgiven. I'm sure that the people that are listening to this, especially the older brothers in this story, you know, the, the Pharisees and the, the uh, tax or the Pharisees and the teachers of all, when they're, when they're listening to this, I'm sure their mind is spinning. Are you kidding me? But listen to this. Not only is he going to be forgiven, but the village will be restored. The village will be invited to a what? A celebration in order to say to the village, he is restored. Mm. Now listen, I'm saying this before because I want you to hear it before Mark reads it. If you didn't know, Mark is my son. Go ahead, Mark. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Wait just a minute. Go back to verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you and I, I've sinned against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants. Now the father said to the servants what? He says, wait, 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 just a minute. He says, he looks at the servants, and here's John Miller. He looks at the servants and says, hey, 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 hey. He's all that I say that he is. Yeah. And a servant looks at him and says, 
I'm telling you, he's all that I say that he is. He, he's, he's, he's mine. He's my own. He's looking at the village and he's thinking, no, no, no. See, we don't know what status he has in the village, but we do know what status he has in the family as the patriarch. And he's making a declaration. Here's a man that has servants. And he's saying, I want you to first know he's all that I say that he is. He's forgiven. So how is it that he is going to protect this younger son? Mark. Quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now remember when he says, quick, get a robe. The robe would signify, just like we talked about last week about Mephibosheth. When he gets to David, you know, the son of Jonathan. And Jonathan and David has cut covenant. Everything that Jonathan meant to David now is transferred from David to his son Mephibosheth. And, and part of the covenant between Jonathan and David was the robe. The robe signified who the person was. When people saw the robe, they realized that that person is so-and-so because it was so common. That's who I saw at the, the village, that, at the market. That's who I know. is. The father says, quick, go, go get the family robe. Put it on him. I want everybody to know that he is who he is. And who is he? He's who I say that he is. Mm. He's mine. Get a, get a ring. Again, the ring, a signet ring, only family members wore the ring. Sandals, he's not a servant. He is free today. I declare, who am I? I'm the father. Yeah. Who is he? Who is he? Who is he? Who I say he is. Mm. He's my own. I know there's going to be lies. But he's who I say he is. Go get the robe. Go get the sandals. Go get the ring. And I want everybody to know that he's not only forgiven, but he's restored because we're going to have a cutting of the covenant. Yeah. Wow. We're going to cut the fatted calf again. So when we sit down and eat, everybody in the village will know that he's restored to who I say that he is. Okay, Mark. Meanwhile, the older son was still in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? <clears throat> your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older, bro older brother became, became angry and confused. He became angry. Did, does anybody know what anger is? It's an emotion. He's allowing an emotion to dictate what he's going to do next. The song that we sang is that he reminds my soul. You, you know, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. 
And so many times that we need to be reminded that we are all he says. But, but this older brother is allowing what, what he knows to be right, the emotions to dictate. He becomes angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Thank you, Mark. You may be seated. Now, now listen to this. Here's what I want to get into because the title of the message in the series that I'm going to go in is a simple, but sometimes people haven't realized that the title is, Who Does My Father Say I Am? Who does the Father say that I am? We, we, we try to compete. We compare ourselves. As I said, the best sermon that you've ever... You try to compare yourself with other people. You try to compare yourself with who you used to be or who you want to be. There, there's so much comparison going on that we have to realize that in the transformation process that we get to the place, listen to me, that we get to the place and we sink our heels into the ground and say, I am who He says I am. Pastor, my mom was pretty mean to me. I know. You do? Yeah. There's a lot of mothers that are mean to people. Well, my teacher said that. I know. When we get to the realization, though, that we are not who people say that we are, we are who God says that we are, all of a sudden that is an amazing, overwhelming power that comes into our life as a believer. The father sees this older son and he, he won't even come inside to celebrate. He is so angry he stays outside. I want you to see something that so many times we miss. The father goes out to the older brother. This is an amazing example of love. You've got a father that is running to save the younger son and has the ability to love the older brother to go out even to him and plead with him. We have a loving father. Now listen to this. We have usually read this passage of Scripture in thinking that the older brother is someone that Jesus is saying, I don't like. Listen, Jesus never said that. And someone might have preached that. You might have heard that. You might have that, burled that into your skull and thinking, ooh, the older brother. But so many times, listen... When we talk about that, we separate ourselves from the older brother and we say, I don't want to be the old brother and nobody wants to be the older brother. But listen, there's a greater chance than not all of us in here are the older brother. Now before you, we're back there. What you talking about? Just wait a minute. Remember, this is the best sermon that you've ever heard. Okay, just, just reminding you. I want you to see this in a different light. And again, this message is the deceived older brother. The father could have gone out and said, Hey, 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 
I'm going to give you some truth. And it's going to burn up all the lies. The scales that are on your eyes that are blinding you, I want them to fall to the floor. The belief system of fear is going to be broken over your life today. What if he goes out to the younger brother and just in John Miller's way of preaching here, listen to this. What if he looks at the older brother that's mad and whispers in his ear and says, you're fearless. Have you ever been there? And the older brother goes, fearless? I'm not fearful of anything. Yeah. You're fearful that he's come back to take what maybe some you think is yours. Maybe you think that I'm not enough as your father. Maybe you think that I love him more than I do you. Maybe, maybe, older brother, you are fearful that somebody that hasn't been following you is received into the family as much as you have been as a rule follower. The song says, he whispers in my ear that I'm fearless and he shares a melody and invites me to repeat it. What? Older brother, you're all that I say that you are. And who are you? You're mine. This, this passage of scripture, talking about this, it, it, almost, it, almost, it almost screams that the older brother is so deceived that he can't see past his own nose. Mark Twain said it this way. I, I love this. The trouble with old men is they remember so many things that ain't so. You can drop old and you can drop and put women, men or women. You don't have to be old. So many times we remember it as it's it. The younger brother is coming back and he's going to take what's mine. He, the father loves him more than me. Uh, I've been going to church all my life and I haven't seen my friends healing or, or I haven't seen a breakthrough in my life. Will you, will you allow the father to come in like a light into your life and burn up all those lights? I think sometimes when 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 you hear this, and and it, and it that he could whisper in the ear of the older brother, just like when he he gets down and he he says, "Quick, go get a rope." Hey, let me whisper in your ear, ear prodigal son. You're fearless. You don't have to fear the village. You don't have to fear anybody breaking any pot over you. Why? Because you're all I say that you are. See, we receive that as the prodigal son story and we go cheering for him. But over here with, with so many of us that we become deceived into thinking, oh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not for sure I, I like that. Now listen, it's not that you don't like the prodigal son coming home. There might be people in here that could cheer. And I believe our church is extremely above average to receiving those that have fallen away from God that's come back. 
But here's what I believe. That in a believer's life, in the process of the transformation, of, of, of changing and continually, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Faith didn't come by heard. You read the Word of God? Yeah, I read it years ago. I, I've already read that. And you wonder why you don't have faith. And he reminds my soul that I'm whole. Could he have reminded the older brother, you're whole. You've got everything. Now, now stop and think. If you're the older brother and you're so deceived, is there a way? Is there even possible for a minute that you don't understand that you have things that you don't even recognize? Let me, let me explain it. He has a loving father that he's been living with. He's got a house that he's living in. He doesn't have to live in the pig pen. He has food. He doesn't have to eat the pig's food. He has friends. Listen, he has a robe, he has a ring, and he has sandals. So what? But he's deceived in thinking that he is somebody that he's not. He has purpose because he has a job. Everything in the Father's house now belongs to him. Now, now stick with me right here because I'm coming to the end, I promise you. In the next couple hours, I'll be done. Now, listen, no. now, now think about this. Here, here's this guy. He's outside mad. He's got all these things. Now, remember the riddle? Remember the riddle, you know, how many sisters and all this stuff? Did, did, you, did you listen with the intent of picking up on something that is deceiving to the older brother? He missed it. When I read these next passage, if he believes these things, he's not outside pouting. Verse 12 says, the father divided his property between them. Did you catch that? Half of it was given to the older brother. Is he walking in his identity of who he is as a property owner? Hello? Listen to this. In verse 31 it says, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Watch this. The older brother has come out of his mouth. I have slaved all these years for you and you didn't even give me a goat. He's been walking in this mindset that he is a servant. He's been walking that he's not a son of the father. He's not a property owner. He doesn't own everything that is seen. Do you know that they even believe in the story if this was to actually come and it was true, if it was true, that the father giving half of it to the younger son had to actually sell part of the property? He might have had to sell that 1,000 acres or that 500 acres. He had to maybe sell the barn and all those cattle over there on that north pasture. Why? Because he was dividing his possessions and he gave half to the younger brother. It was gone. 
But the older brother was walking in an identity that, see, sometimes we walk into. Hear me. As a believer, and you begin to start the transformation process, and you're going to church, and, and when, when God is speaking in your life, and you can see it right there in black and white, and then, oh my goodness, it's red and white. That's what Jesus said over my life. You go, well, I'm just a, just a servant. When you walk into all He says you are, All of a sudden, your eyes begin to light up. All of a sudden, you, you realize it. You're not a slave. In Psalms 19.12, this should be something that we remind ourselves. Listen, it says this, But who can discern their own errors? Again, so many people are deceived and thinking, I'm just a servant. I'm just beaten down. I, I'm not, I'm not, I know that I'm in covenant, but I'm just not experiencing the grace of God in my life. Yes, you are. The, the psalmist says, forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're my foundation. You have redeemed me. You have restored me by dying on the cross for me and giving me, you know, the covenant blessing of a believer and a child. I'm a son or a daughter in the family of God. But God, I, I've been deceived into thinking that I'm someone that I'm not. Let me end until next time. But let me put something in your mind here. Just, just suppose that Jesus left this story wide open. We don't know how the older brother turned out. He might have fell on his knees and cried and said, God, thank you, or Father, thank you for showing up in my life and speaking into my life. I, I missed it. See, most of us would think, no, nah, that didn't happen. Why? Because he refused the truth that the Father was sharing with him? Everything I have is yours. What, what's it going to take, son, for me to prove? I've given you everything. Listen to this. This is, this is what I like to... This, and, and again, I'm not adding to the story. I'm just saying, just and it's my sermon. I got the microphone, so I'm going to preach it like I want. Here we go. What if the older brother, when the younger brother left, because the blessing was on his life, turned and burned? And the ranch that now is 50%, went to 65 and 75 and 85% and 90% and 100%. It now has doubled. And the day that the prodigal son comes home, the older brother says, I've been waiting on you. And I've got you. I got you. You made a mistake. But we got more than enough here. At the chapel ranch. That's who you are. 
There, there's people that, that are looking. Is there anybody that will receive somebody like me? Yeah. We're the older brother in this story. Because you know who our example is in this story? Is Jesus Christ. And, and we have a different kind of older brother than in this story. We know that because it says that Jesus came to seek and to save you and me. Save the lost. He came from heaven. He came from the almighty ranch to come look for the younger brothers and sisters. This morning, as our example, can we just start saying, you know what? God, I'm going to trust the Father that you are who you say you are and can do who and what you can say you can do. And God, here's the, I'm going to walk in the identity this morning. Oh, Pastor, thank you for preaching this. You're, you're welcome right here. That I'm all. He says that I am. And if you didn't get it, let me remind you. Let me remind you of this. He's all. He says that you are all. He says that you are. I'm going to have the worship team come up. We're going to confess that song again out of our mouth. We're going to let the scales fall from our eyes. You know, that the blindness... We're going to allow the Word of God that we just heard come into our life and burn up all the junk, the lies. You're not any good. You can't be this. You can't. You're too old. You're too young. You're too big. You're too small. Let all those lies burn up. It's a new day. Can, can, you, can you stand with me? Again, if you need to throw your head back, let me tell you, this morning during worship, I got dizzy. I was singing so loud. It's okay. Sing with all that's in you. He's all, or I'm all, he says that I am.